Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. This episode is going to be all about the Royal Rumble. Remember, you can find the Needless Things Podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, as well as at NeedlessThingsSite.com, where five days a week, in addition to the podcast, you can find articles from the Needless Things Irregulars about all that good stuff I mentioned before. Today, we're going to swing right into the show. I've got three professional wrestling aficionados here to talk not only about this year's Royal Rumble and the possibilities therein, but the history of one of WWE's top pay-per-views and one of the few that's maintained its consistency over the years because of the very special nature of the Royal Rumble match. Now it's time to talk to who's on the show tonight. First, I want to introduce or, or welcome back to the show. Everybody is a returning favorite tonight, uh, making his 12th, 14th, 22nd, who knows at this point, appearance on the Needless Things podcast. Mr. Sean Reed, welcome back. <laughs> I, I fully anticipated that was going to go to Noel first with the 14th. Uh, no, you. I think uh, you've Baron actually been me. on. Yeah, I think you've actually really? been on more than Noel has uh, just because of his wacky schedule. And not because, because a, I like you more. Because I'm an I'm, I'm an ass kisser, and um, I'm not going to dispute that. And you're right. you're good at it. That's why you're here. Exactly. So yes, thank you for having me back. Then woohoo! Well, I'm ju- just to seniority. keep just to keep bucking trends. Next, I'm going to move over to Mr. Mark Fishman from Unshaven <laughs> Comics. Mark, you are on the show for the second time. Welcome back, sir. Thank you for having me. The checks in the mail. <laughs> I will be sure and put the ad in the show notes. Excellent. And uh, finally, Mr. Noel Wood, welcome back once again. You you are, of course, the father to my podcasting style, having me on your own podcast uh, years ago to talk about WrestleMania. That's right. I'm your daddy. That's right. My very first, you, you popped that podcast cherry, which is ugly in so many different ways. Ew. <laughs> you, you, you definitely got him the father to your style. Yes, exactly. So you were you were the old dirty not. He's old. He's, he's just old, old dirty Noel. It, old dirty Noel, right? Because yeah. he wouldn't be a bastard then, because he is the father to the style. I don't know. Uh, so we're going to talk about the history of the Rumble, which uh, what I've been doing over the past week or so is watching. I, I haven't come close to watching all of them. Uh, watching the past Rumbles, checking out kind of some highlights. Uh, I made the mistake though of starting with the very first Rumble and watching the first five or six in their entirety rather than just watching the Rumble match. Because, I, you know, it's interesting to me to see what WWF, WWE chose to surround the Rumble with over the years. Uh, and more often than not, it was a mistake to watch that stuff. But uh, what have you guys been doing? How have you prepared? Mark, you said you've been doing a similar thing, checking all the Rumbles out. Did you actually make it through all of them? Oh no! I completely lied. I didn't watch a single one of them. Uh, I, you're, much, you're the smartest man on the show. Then I, uh, I will say that uh, just to refresh myself, I went to the Wikipedia page. Yes, and I I read the results uh, to remind myself. Uh, I got out of wrestling in the mid aughts, so like 
after Triple H took the belt and started making racist comments against Booker T and burying Kane, I sort of gave up. Uh, I only get, got back into it shortly before CM Punk left. So, uh, really only been familiarized with the last, let's say, five years or so, uh, where they're like really fresh in my mind. But I mean, outside of that, I watched some YouTube clips and, uh, you know, a couple of things here on the network. But, you know, I, I, f- I feel like I can fake my way through this pretty well. Excellent. And, and, well, and you've got the wrestling perspective, the wrestling knowledge. I mean, you know the sport. It's not like you're coming in here as an outsider. <laughs> exactly. Like Scott Hall. Uh, speaking hey, of yo. which. Well, speaking of which, I just watched the 97 Rumble, and uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about a little bit in watching the past Rumbles was watching the evolution of, you know, some of the characters where we would see Fatu and then the Sultan and then Rikishi or Isaac Yankum and then Fake Diesel and then Kane. Or in 97, like you were saying, you get three faces of Foley. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's something else we're going to cover is kind of our favorite gimmicky moments of the Rumble because it, over the years it definitely became a place for WWF to have more or WWE to have more fun uh, than they did at certain other pay-per-views. But what I want to start with Noel, I know you you are the guy that sold me on the Rumble. Uh not that I ever took issue with it, uh but I just it was another pay-per-view. But your enthusiasm for the Rumble is part of what made it my favorite event how what's the first rumble you remember uh, why do you love it so much well the first one i remember was the very first one uh the the one with uh, hacksaw jim duggan winning on the usa network because you you never had a lapse you've no. you've been in it since you were a kid yeah and i was 12 years i was at 88 right yeah was the first one yeah so i was like 12 years old when that came on and i just remember them advertising this is going to air live on the USA Network. And I was like, ooh, wrestling, I can watch on TV. That's great. Right, and it was so, televised as opposed to being a pay-per-view. Yeah, and there was a lot of big stuff on it because that was the they, there was um, the world uh, bench press record was going to be broken by Dino Bravo on that show. And that and, was a great segment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. There was, uh, I know there was like a two out of three mat- falls match with, was it... Um, Oh, now I can't remember. Was it the Young Stallions and the Brain Busters on that show? Or is uh, that a- you know what? I can't remember who it was right now. That's the problem. You know what? I've actually got it. I've got it up. I can tell you, dude. Yes, yes. Uh, let's see here. The event itself, as I'm going through here, you had Ricky Steamboat defeated Rick Rude by disqualification. The Jumping Bomb Angels defeated the Glamour Girls. Jim Duggan won by eliminating the One Man Gang. And the Islanders, Haku and Tama, defeated the Young Stallions, Paul Rama, and Jim Powers. Okay, yeah. It was the other Bobby Heenan team. There you go. (laughs) Well, and that's one of the problems with researching in the way that I had, is I watched a bunch of stuff, and now I can't remember what year what happened. So it's going to be one of those things where I say something, and in all likelihood, Noel goes, oh yeah, that was that one. So we'll see how that goes. But so what? Well, see, I haven't I haven't brushed up on this at all either. I just haven't had time to do any research. I just everything I'm going to be saying is pretty much going to be off the top of my head. But I, fly, I'm banking so. I'm banking on your off the top of my head knowledge being better than my research knowledge. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, Noel's off. Yeah, you're off the top of the head is going to be way more factual. So you saw uh, the uh, so you saw that first rumble on USA. 
Yep, and yeah, I mean it was. I I was always a fan of battle royals. I don't know why. Whenever I like, you know, whenever I played wrestling with my toys, I always did battle royals and wrote down the order of elimination because I was a weird kid. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was just the idea that there was a battle royal where not everybody started at the same time and they were coming in, you know, uh, one at a time, and just the idea was. Something at that time we'd never seen before, and now gimmick matches out the ass. Yeah, something like this would, if they introduced it now, would be like, oh, another gimmick match. But it was one of the first like really high concept matches that was put on a regular basis. Well, and we have to give credit while while we're talking about it to Pat Patterson. Yeah, because he is the man that invented the Royal Rumble. But I think he borrowed the concept from. I, I don't remember if it was a Japanese organization or if it was a Mexican organization, but it, I believe he borrowed it from somebody else. But the idea of the way that WWE presented it, or WWE at the time presented it, was all Pat Patterson. Now, the Rumble wasn't always for the shot at the title in the WrestleMania main event. Nope. Uh, that didn't come around till four or five years in, I think. It was well. F- the the year that Flair won the title was the first year that was anything at stake really at all. Okay, now and that was when the title was vacant, right? And the match was for the title, which is it's interesting because for this year's, which we'll talk about this year's Rumble uh, towards the end of the show. But uh, I originally, when this year's stipulation occurred, I, I was pretty irritated, and I still am. But to go I'm- back. Very soured on it. Well, really, we'll, really we'll we'll get to that. First, let's enjoy the good times. Uh, Mark, <laughs> Mark, what are your yes. earliest Rumble memories, or, or do you how, how did you come by? How did you come by watching pay per views? Actually, because back in the day, that was a thing in and of itself to be paying thirty bucks for a pay per view. Like yeah. that, that took some some love and some dedication. And and, and definitely, uh, I should preface: I'm I'm very Jewish. So, uh, it, it came down to my father getting the pay-per-views given to him by, uh, he owned a liquor store in, uh, Chicago and one of his employees, uh, he taped the pay-per-views and he would give them to my dad. So, uh, we would usually catch them maybe a month after they came out. So some of the early rumbles i think i must have watched you know when i was a kid you know eight nine ten or whatever and then like when i got to college uh and started getting back into wrestling a little bit um i did actually uh you can go to this great establishment called hooters (laughs) and uh they showed the pay-per-views there if you could peel your eyes away from other things that were at hooters right curly fries mainly Mm. um they're really good there they are uh yeah wings they have boneless wings very true. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, uh, just a smattering here and there. And then, obviously, I, I do have, actually, a, the WWE Network, so I will, uh, from time to time, pull up an old pay-per-view, Rumbles included. So, so are there uh, are there any Rumbles that kind of stood out for you? Do you remember? Because the Rumble, more than any other pay-per-view, is one you want to kind of watch with a group. So that Hooters environment, like you were saying, because we, we watched many a pay-per-view at the Hooters back in the day. And that environment lent itself to the excitement and the anticipation of the Rumble. Uh, are there any specific ones that you kind of stand out to you? Um, I'd say it's uh, the Royal Rumble from 2003. That's the year that Brock Lesnar won it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was a really big fan of Brock Lesnar. So I just remember uh, being like the lone guy in an Indianapolis Hooters shouting for Brock Lesnar. While the rest <laughs> of the people were just sort of looking me funny. Um, that was probably the, the one that stood out the most. Um, 
I mean, outside of that, you know, they, I guess when it comes down to like the winner, it's, I guess it sort of takes away from the enjoyment. Like the rumble itself is always enjoyable, but then when you get down to the end of it, it's, um, you know, the, the longer you pay attention to this business, the more you're just looking at it from a booking perspective. Right. Uh, so (laughs) my enjoyment of it, uh, lessens as you, uh, eliminate more and more people because, uh, well, and I'm sure we'll get to like our favorite rumbles, and I've got my tr- trick answer for that one. But <laughs> suffice to say, uh, I, I do I do enjoy uh, any time that we have that suspension of disbelief that somebody we can't possibly predict actually winning the rumble. Yeah, and that's that's what makes it so fun. Even though realistically, you know, there may be five guys out of the thirty or however many ever that could win. It's still so much fun just to watch everybody come out. And that's, that's actually a thing. I'm glad you mentioned that about the end of the Rumble because in watching all of these, there's that sort of letdown when the announcer calls, Oh, we're down to the last six or whatever the case may be. You're like, Oh, that's it. Uh, no more, nobody else is coming out. <laughs> this is it. Wait, wait, no, by my, by my, by my estimations, that means uh, Daniel Bryan can't come out again. <laughs> right. I, I don't. Oh, I don't my. understand how that works. I was so mad. <laughs> so, so, Sean, what is your Rumble history? Uh, I actually the rum. I didn't start watching pay per views with any sort of regularity until the um, the big wrestling boom in the two thousands, the early two thousands. Um, I watched a lot of wrestling, and definitely watched all the WWF like Saturday morning stuff, but I could never get my parents to go for a pay-per-view. That was just, that, that wasn't going to happen. Um, so yeah, so I started watching them, uh, actually I'd probably not even the, as late as 2000, it was probably the mid to late nineties in college, um, going over to friends' houses and watching them. And, um, back then it was kind of, we would bounce between, uh, the WCW ones. And then if like, WWF had something that really looked exciting, then we would switch over. So all that to say, I've watched the Rumbles kind of in piecemeal, and I've actually done more watching recently uh, now that I've got the network just to go in and see because they're, you know, they're great matches that I had heard about over the years and pivotal, mo- pivotal moments in WWF history that uh, that I wanted to go back and follow up on. Um, saying that, though, it's mostly I've seen uh, mostly just stuff from the Attitude Era, um, some of that is really good. Some of it is just abysmal, and it's like going back and watching old ECW and thinking, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, I whoa! Watch this. Hang on, buddy. What? Let's not get carried away. Yeah, it's not. It's never. It's never that bad. It's never that bad. <laughs> it's never that bad. That's true. It's um, never ECW bad. That, but also, yeah, no. uh, uh, some, reg- some real uh, showstoppers. Yes. With yes. that, with the, with the pay-per-views, was I the only one who watched the old Squiggle Vision pay-per-view just, you know, kind of squinting and well, you got to hear all the announcing? You are because, uh, and, and this, you may remember this once I say it, uh, I wasn't even watching wrestling until 96, around the time Hogan turned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, I don't remember the first pay-per-view we ordered, but, it was WCW. We were in the, it was in the apartment, uh, with Beth and everyone, and we got the WCW pay-per-views. We didn't order a WWF pay-per-view until WrestleMania 98. Yep. 
that was the first WWF pay-per-view I ever saw. Cause we, we kind of started watching Raw. Cause you, I mean, you were the voice of reason. You were like, no, you really need to watch WWF. And you're the one that got us flipping back and forth, like Sean was talking about. Uh, and then eventually when I learned how to work VCRs, we would record one and watch the other. But. Well, the best thing to have done really is to watch the undercard of WCW and the main event of WWE. Well, we. Yeah, what yeah, we much matches. what we ended up doing is we would watch Nitro because it started at eight, so it was on yep. first, and then when Nitro was over, we would watch Raw uh, that okay. I that I had recorded, and you know back then you didn't have to you didn't have stupid Facebook and Twitter and all to screw up the you know with spoilers or whatever like you didn't worry about some idiot saying wow I can't believe that uh, Mick Foley just won the title unless it was Tony Schiavone. Ah, <laughs> uh, stole my joke right out front. <laughs> you gotta be quick around here, buddy. He's, uh, he's the host, so he feels like he can do that. Um, but the, the rumble, I, I can't honestly remember. I mean, I assume the first one we saw was the 99 rumble. Uh, but it, it was definitely, you know, you get caught up in it. It doesn't matter what else is going on because part, there are two reasons you get caught up in the rumble. One is because it is setting up the road to WrestleMania. And another is because typically the months preceding the Rumble are just fucking terrible. Now, let me ask you, okay, if the 99 Rumble is the first one you saw, how would you ever come back to watch another Royal Rumble having be the first one you watched, have Mr. McMahon be the winner? That was still a great Rumble, It was a great Rumble, and the whole thing about that, you know, looking back, well, okay, looking back now, yes, Vince was way overused. But he was making the company money as that character. Yeah, he was the, I mean, Steve Austin needed him, and that's why yes. Steve Austin was over as he was. And, you know, now we look at Vince on TV, and it's embarrassing. Like, Monday night, which, by the way, guys. Oh, God. By the way. tear open those things. Yeah, that, I felt it very important to watch Raw before I recorded this with you guys. And I was wrong. Because that was, that was almost three straight hours of value-free content. I, I, oh God, I watch Raw on Hulu, so I catch the 90-minute version. Which sounds wonderful to me, by the way. Right. And usually it's, it's, I feel like it's the way to go. There might be one or two matches that, like, I, a while back there was a Kevin Owens match that, that got cut out from Hulu that I just, I ended up going to the, the website and watch. Um, but I feel like the last, definitely the last two weeks, uh, possibly the last three, which is horrible to think about, particularly like, you know, this is the, the week leading into the pay-per-view, like of all the weeks to be interested. I haven't been able to sit through the 90 minute version. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been rough, but we'll, we'll get to that later. I keep, I keep wanting to jump ahead because I'm so anxious to talk about what's happening now but we want to talk about the past uh we want to talk about the good times and some of the uh the, the good old days and some of the bad old days through the years lots of fun stuff has happened with the rumbles and i want to start with something that i saw I, i've kind of jumped around a little bit in watching the rumbles but the 2000 rumble is one that i enjoyed i would say a good bit more than some of the other ones uh it had as far as the participants, it had some of the more solid 
gimmicks uh, consistently. Like you were kind of most of the people that came out, you're like, okay, cool. I'm glad to see this person. You know, there are a couple of groaners, but one of the highlights for me, and and these are the moments in the Rumble that I look forward to, and I hope we get some this year. Uh, Scotty Tuhati and Brian Christopher ended up in the ring at the same time. And of course, eventually Rikishi came out and they cleared the ring and they stopped the whole fucking rumble to do their <laughs> stupid dance routine for like a full minute and 30 seconds. And then he eliminated them both. Yes. Right. And, and then, yeah, and then Rikishi turned on them both. And it was, but it was but so But he did awesome. it for The Rock. Yeah, well, if, no. oh no. <laughs> no, not um, yet. But it was uh, awesome. It was a great quick moment. Enough that time. The the live audience was just eating it up. Well, and that was the 2000 Rumble was at the, was at Madison Square Garden, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. I'm looking at I'm looking at the participant list here. Uh you're right. I mean, really the only groaners I can see is Bob Backlund. Oh, now wait a minute. Uh, no, he was actually good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Bob was old in 2000, but he was he was um he was entertaining for what he did and in he this. He came match. back and he had some. Yeah, he came back and he had some fun. Sure, but I, I'm saying, like, who else could be considered a mort on here? Like Mosh. Yeah, Jeez. he was not exciting with his giant weird bra thing. Yeah, yeah, he. Oh God, I, I, I had a soft spot. spot for anyone they ever do at MSG because they have that short porch and the camera is actually facing the entrance, yes. unlike every other setup. And when the buzzer goes off. You see the guy, and he's in the ring three seconds later. Yeah, yeah. And there's something about those, and they've done a couple of them at MSG, and like, I, it's one of those that I wouldn't be, I would be happy if they did that every year for that for that pay per view. Yeah, just kept was it. There was there ever an explanation as why that that was the one where they had the car randomly just hanging there? Well, that I mean, we're talking about five years of weird random props on pay-per-view sets i mean <laughs> this is true back when they could back, afford a pay-per-view set uh-huh, yeah. and giant fists hanging well, over the smackdown set well you know what it's, <laughs> it's funny to think about that stuff but how much more interesting is that visually than their giant led screens now yeah, yeah that's true uh, which, but, which was great when they first moved to hd because it showed off, but now everything's in HD, so there's no point in showing off your HD set. Right. And to be fair, I mean, uh, that wasn't a giant fist. That was just Big Show's old glove. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Mae Young's kid that had grown up. Oh, okay. no. There was enough of Mae Young crap on that 2000. Oh, Jesus, that whole... <laughs> so what yeah. about you guys? What, what are some uh, memorable rumble moments... Well, you talk about going to Hooters. Um, I was with you, Mr. Troublemaker, um, for the 2004 Rumble at Hooters. And that was the one where we can no longer mention his name one, but that was my favorite Rumble match. And that was the best crowd to watch that Rumble in. Yeah, that was because that it was really hot then. Uh, well, the Are, fact, just the fact that Hooters and Barnacles and other places were still showing uh, pay-per-views yeah. was an indication of how hot it was. Yeah. I just remember, like, everybody who came out. I mean, I remember Shawn Michaels coming out and everybody in that entire building just jumping up and screaming like they were live in the arena. Yes. And, um, you know, when it got down to the final, like, I guess six, it was like six baby faces and, it was like Cena and uh, and Benoit and uh, I can't remember who else was all in there against the Big Show. Just him taking them out one by one until it came down to Benoit, and we were just I mean, it was we over all, at that point. 
like on the we, edge of our seats. Yes, just yeah. It was that was a great rumble, great match. Just had a, a great time watching that. Now, so I'd throw out there. Um, I guess is this sort of the uh, favorites or just things that uh, jump to mind here? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to cite the uh, 2014 Royal Rumble as being quite possibly the worst booked. Royal Rumble in the history of the company, like top to bottom, they couldn't figure out one right thing to do on this show from having the New Age Outlaws beat uh, Cody Rhodes and Goldust, who had worked all year to uh, establish themselves, you know, Goldust himself coming back, Cody yeah. Rhodes uh, shaving off his mustache and growing a backbone. Um, so they lost to the New Age Outlaws. Bray Wyatt defeated Daniel Bryan so hard he couldn't actually make it into the Rumble. Um, Brock Lesnar defeats the Big Show for the 4,000th time. Uh, Randy Orton defeats John Cena. Who cares? That must have been the 8,000th time they've actually wrestled. And then, of course, that's the year that the winner of the Royal Rumble was Bautista. Yeah, that was a bad call. I, just I like, I like Bautista. Well, I, like I think we all were in the same. It's like, look, under any other circumstances, maybe, but even he himself came yes. forward later to say to Hunter and to Vince and to anybody else who would pay attention, he's like, look, don't bring me back as a baby face. Yeah. Well, and the like, irony of that, too, was it was he was against Roman Reigns at the end of that match, and everyone was hot for Roman Reigns. Yep. At the and time. you fast forward one year later when everyone knew Roman Reigns was going to win. And if Batista had been in that match, people would have wanted Batista to win because after he turned heel and went back with Evolution, he was great again, and everybody yeah. loved him. Yes, yes, uh, uh, barring when he became Blue Tista. Blue Tista. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, frankly, I think at the end of 2015, I mean, they could have had anybody, anybody. They could have had uh, a reformatted Eugene come out, and we would have preferred him to a Roman Reigns win. Yeah, and what they did with Daniel Bryan in that one just killed the crowd. And they brought him out early and had him go out within five minutes. And oh, right. That was insane. Everybody, Everybody in the of... arena sat on their hands. Well, not only, not only did you sit on your hands, but then you're sitting there looking at anybody, literally begging for anybody else to win that one. Well, and that's, in... I remember thinking, wow, if, if Bryan is out, then they must have something really big in store. To have done that to him, there's got to be some other payoff, and there wasn't. Right now, he was Rusev becoming the biggest babyface on the planet that night. (laughs) Yeah, because outside of Daniel Bryan, once he's gone, other people that were left that we might have wanted to see win, uh, Damian Mizdow had one little uh, hope spot. Cesaro, I think, would have probably been the only one that we really wanted. Yeah, amongst all of the IWC, yeah, Dolph Ziggler. Who had actually had a really good year that year? Remember when he eliminated four out of five people in the Survivor Series, and for a hot minute we thought maybe, just maybe, he'd be given that opportunity. Right. It's hard to remember any good moments of Dolph Ziggler's career at this point in time. I'm just so clouded by the. (laughs) And and he has. I mean, he has been all peaks and valleys. Like there has never been any consistency with that guy, and he's. You know, he's a good worker. Uh, actually, he works a little too hard, which I think is part of his problem. Yep. But, you know, he's never had more than three months of a solid run. There's always some, whether it's booking dropping the ball or somebody else dropping the ball, like that guy, 
you know, it's a combination he, of him not he's being able never, to. Well, well, he's never kept an identity. Uh, yeah. Even when his identity is an amalgam of other identities, like and the closest I thought he ever got really is remember when he was uh, full on heel with Biggie and Caitlyn in sort of their weird people stable, and he got into it with a babyface Alberto Del Rio, and then in Chicago, my hometown, there was a pay per view, and they ended up doing a double turn because the crowd favored Ziggler so much and hated Del Rio so much that we, they just had to turn him. And ever since that turn, Dolph Ziggler has never reco- recovered. I, the only time I really ever thought he was something more than just an average mid-carder that could bump real well was when he was with Vicky Guerrero. And he was actually really, really playing off of her heel heat very well. So, Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I, I didn't I didn't love him at the time, but you're right. He he, that was a good time for him. Well, you know what? I think four spots just opened up in New Japan. <laughs> <laughs> True enough. Oh, and it would well, probably be that guy good. Anyone, really? Well, this goes way off subject. What we're talking about, but it's it's very it's we need the WWE needs to cycle guys out more because Dolph Ziggler would be great if we saw him for nine months and he disappeared for three. And same thing with about 95% of the roster. You know, yeah. that's why we love Brock Lesnar so much because when you see him, it's special. Yes. And in a, in a world where they're the only major organization in North America, you see the same guys on television every week. And even guys like the New Day, who we all love, get really stale really fast when they're on television every single week. Well, and part of that issue is USA's three hour raw mandate. Yeah. We yep. do not need three hours of raw. We simply don't. Nope. No. So, I mean, would it kill them? Of course, they'll never do it. But wouldn't it be a delightful world we could live in if they gave the first hour away to NXT? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Be awesome. Follow that WCW formula. Yep. Uh, so, any other kind of favorite moments? Things that you remember about specific rumbles? Uh, I one one storyline that I particularly liked was, and I don't remember what year it was because, like I said, I've watched too many in a row now. Uh, but there was one year where Michaels and Bulldog started and Michaels and Bulldog ended. Finished. Yeah. And they told that story. So, and, and they don't always tell stories during the rumble. Sometimes they're little bits and pieces, but they haven't done it with any consistency. But that year, that story of those two was amazing because they had the opportunity with with 28 other participants to have moments where, oh, is this the guy that's going to put Michaels out? Oh, is this the guy that's going to put Bulldog out? Are they going to put each other out? Is like you 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 finally like halfway through the rumble, you're like, holy shit, both those guys are still in there. Something special is happening. Yeah, yeah. Though that's a well they certainly return to too many times with the survival of the number one pick and and making the number one pick uh like a booking decision too it's something that you know i know we'll get into in a little bit uh about what's going on this year well Well, the first time they did that was the was the flair win in 92 he came he was number two that year and but bobby heenan was doing announcing and he was selling it because he was just so upset because he's like this is so unfair he's never gonna make it and then when he finally won and bobby heenan sold that so well yes yes. just like because he'd survive that hour. And that, so that goes back to favorite moments is 
for me, Flair winning in 92. And thank um, you for reminding me of a time when WWE's uh, commentary was actually worth listening to. Well, and that's exactly what I was getting ready to say, is that's another part of the loss of the storytelling element, is back then you had, uh, well, one, you had Vince, which I adore Vince McMahon as a commentator. Yeah. Uh, He puts stuff over like crazy when he loves it. Other stuff, I, I was watching one rumble and Mantar comes out. <laughs> and Vince is going, oh, it's, it's, it's Mantar. Look at his, look at the thighs on Mantar. <laughs> and that's as much as he had to say about Mantar. Meanwhile, the rest of the rumble, he's just slobbering all over Shawn Michaels' knob. Like the whole time, oh, I can't believe how agile he is. Look at Michaels. Michaels is going. And you also have that classic Vince reaction of michaels is on fire he's throwing the elbows he's got hitman over the ropes hitman's out oh no he's not <laughs> like that over he does the same thing when he's got a pinfall oh and it's over one two three oh no it's not what a maneuver he's the master <laughs> he's the master of the anticlimactic call but uh his his he's fantastic because he's the guy that knew what was going on like yeah. there's no uh, whatever his odd little quirks might be he knew what was happening and how to tell the story because he was the guy that, you know, had so much to do with it. And then you had J.R. and even Lawler. There was a time when Jerry Lawler as a heel announcer was valuable. And guess what? He's kind of doing that now. And SmackDown has actually become watchable the last couple weeks. That new guy. Yes. That guy is Phenomenal. Yes. He's, he's great and Lawler is playing a heel again and he's the best he's been in like 15 years. Well, yeah. I'll tell you, uh, I tweeted to, uh, Morrow twice and he responded both times because oh, nice. he's not famous yet. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's just be honest about that. But I will say he's already got the, uh, company HR packet because he was very quick to add that, uh, you know, there is a difference in style between him and Michael Cole, but, you know, there's, there's spots for both of them. Um, I was like, sure there is. Spot Uh, Michael Cole is not on my television. uh, Yeah, Yeah. I would agree with that. And that's the thing, is those guys... And and another thing I noticed about watching the older Rumbles is they had the boys announcing. You had one year, it was Mr. Perfect. You had, of course, Jesse Ventura. Um, You had Ted DiBiase one year. Like, Did did Savage do one? uh, I'm sure he did. I don't know that I made it to that one, or it might have been one I skipped over. But when you've got one of the boys on the mic that adds so much too because they they oh i've been there i know how that feels or at this point you've really got to be thinking about this and like that adds so much weight to what's going on because otherwise the rumble you know if you think about it too hard it's a little silly you've got people doing stupid things like body slamming people when they should have just walked them over to the ring and thrown them out or like Bill mascaras jumping out of the ring which brings me to uh uh, no, I'll save it. I'll save it for later. Uh, but, but yes, you, you, <laughs> you have that voice and now we don't have that anymore. And I think it would be very smart. You know, why, why not bring in like Stone Cold to, to do commentary? Now, granted, he'd, he'd probably run out of voice before after the first over. match. No, he but, can, uh, he could probably speak. I mean, we know from his podcast, he's good for an hour-ish. But the yeah, problem, the problem would be, uh, or the reason why they won't do it is because halfway through the match, he'll start rebooking it. <laughs> <laughs> now what he should have done there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I would like to add in, um, just for, uh, random history notes here. My favorite, uh, worthless entrant slash elimination was the bushwhacker who <laughs> bushwhacked, danced his way in the ring, got thrown out, landed on his feet and bushwhacked his way out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's now, beautiful. So, Noel, you've watched all of them. Yes. Was it a regular thing for guys who fought in a match in the undercard to also then appear? Uh, it's pretty much been that way uh, with a few exceptions early on. But the the roster especially was very thin in the mid-90s. So you had you, know, you had guys doing double duty. Um, now I... I'm not thrilled with it now. I think if you're in an undercard match, you know, that should be the only appearance you have on the show unless there's like a very rare exception. Um, you know, something that actually is part of the storyline. Right. Yeah. That's, it was one of the things that threw me off when I was watching some of the old ones is like you would watch a tag team and I'm trying to think of, there was one of the, one of these actually happened in the 2001. I can't remember the, the team now off the top of my head, but yeah, there was like a tag team that fought in a tag team match and then they were both back for – oh, no, actually, it wasn't a tag team match. It was the – China and Chris Jericho just had the match, you just say the three-way China? match. You just said China. Did I say did I say China? I think you did. But anyway. That, that's about the same. <laughs> yeah, China and uh, Chris – I was trying to pronounce the Y and not get people confused so they knew what I was talking about, not the country. Um, the China, Jericho, and – Hardcore Holly. Yes. Uh, just had the three-way match for the Intercontinental title, and then it was like two minutes later. Like, they sold the matches so brutal, and oh my god, blah, blah. And then two minutes later, they're both in the Rumble. And you're like, how? And they stayed in for, I mean, um, China didn't have the longest time in there. I mean, Jericho... 37 seconds. Yeah, Jericho had, you know, almost four minutes, but, uh. Thank you, Wikipedia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not like they had the most time in there, but it almost, it, it seems like it would have made more sense to keep those two out, you know, replace them with two other people, cause you're talking about four minutes worth of match, and then it helps sell the undercard match that they had a little bit more in well, my yeah. Or if they are coming in, do it like, you know, when Bret Hart had to limp in that one time and everyone was surprised that he actually even made it out. They thought he wasn't going to make it out because Owen Hart had, had kicked his leg out of his leg earlier. Um, right. You know, those those types of things. Well, but what not- about all the uh, worthless? Um, it, it's one thing, like, they're always big every year. I've noticed this, where they love to have that video where they just spout statistics at us to make us excited. And they're uh, always wrong. Well, even if they're <laughs> close, like... You know what? I really honestly don't care if Kane has himself thrown out 300 guys because how many times has Kane actually won the Royal Rumble? Right. I was thinking that looking over the statistics, like Kane has a huge the answer, by the way, is zero huge number of eliminations. And uh, but I was looking at it and I was like, well, yeah, but he's also been in like 15 of the Rumbles. (laughs) I I think he's been been around everybody else. He's had a few cups of coffee now, yes. except for the one that Jericho threw on him. Well, and I wonder if – so part – again, as I was watching some of the older ones, now they have a much larger talent pool to pull from. But I feel like uh, for some of the older ones I was watching, since the Rumble is the main event and 
occasionally it detracts from other storylines that are going on. And so it almost feels like some of the booking in other matches was kind of anemic. Um, uh, what I'm wondering is if they come up with these faux stats, like these stats that don't mean shit, but it gives them something else to promote. So when they do the Rumble the following year, if Kane comes down, you're like, oh, Kane might win this year because he's thrown 300 people out because we have this random made-up statistic that really doesn't mean a damn thing. Well, I mean, that's their intention, sure, is is to give a little more impact to certain things. But the bottom line, and this, I was going to mention this, you know, for the undercard, don't double book guys because the Rumble is the selling point. Right. Your whole pay-per-view lives on the Rumble. So this is the one time of the whole year where t- you could put some maybe lower guys in that undercard and, and you know, have – give them a chance. Give somebody that doesn't get a lot of TV time an opportunity. Well, um, there was a there was put, put the put the show, social outcasts in a match. Okay. <laughs> when when they actually had three brands there for a bit, um, when you had SmackDown and ECW, uh, in addition to Raw as being three separate brands, and they all had their own world titles. And I believe it was when Chavo Guerrero was the ECW champion, he okay. came into the Rumble, and I was like, "What? Yeah, if you yeah. can challenge for a brand championship, then why should why are you in the Rumble?" Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's the whole point. Well, and and Ideally, also you should be able to win and then go for the ECW title. So and, that kind and of devalued that. Not, and that's the thing is that that devalues and and WWE is terrible about understanding how to make a title relevant and important. Or make anybody relevant when they win and lose every other match. Yes, nobody goes on win streaks anymore. Yeah, and and there there's issues there as well. But as far as the Rumble itself. It has, over the years, it's still, you know, even if you know the winners, it's still a fun match to watch. Uh, because personally, it's not like I'm sitting there knowing, you know, okay, Mr. Perfect's coming out next or, or whatever. Like, it's still fun to see everybody come out. It's fun to see how they interact with one another. And like I said, those little stories that they tell uh, when somebody does have a feud, uh, like the 90, I think it was the 97 Rumble where Vader and Under no it might have been 96 but Vader and Undertaker had a thing going on. Well that was when Vader debuted at the Royal Rumble that year. Well, there Vader was in the ring and he'd mm-hmm. been in the Rumble for for a good bit. Mankind yeah. was in there and uh Undertaker came out and com- everybody put it over as oh shit what is going to happen. And they came face to the face in the face to face in the ring and it was big. It was a big moment. And just stuff like that, where they kind of mix what's going on uh, in the storylines into the Rumble match itself. I love seeing that stuff. Yeah. And and I hate it when they ignore that stuff, which happens from time to time. Well, and you have you have an opportunity in that match to you know to give just about everybody in there some sort of storyline and pay it off in that match. And they've gotten to the point now where they have one goal and that's to get the one guy over at the end. Yes. To the, the detriment last few years. of anyone else. Yeah. And I mean, I just think of the last couple of rumbles, everybody looked like a complete scrub in those matches, except for the guys who won them. Because it was so important to them to put these guys over and they yeah. didn't make Roman look strong. Right. And that's all that mattered. And and they don't know how to make Roman look strong, but also make everybody else look valuable. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, it well, and I, I don't know. Do we want to segue into this year's Rumble? Yeah, we can. We should. Um, we can. 
because I think that's as you had alluded to earlier that the the rumble I think can be a lot of fun. I think the way Phantom that that you watch it when you have viewing parties with uh, people picking numbers and then that's the person you support. I think yes. Let's put over the rumble game real quick. Sure. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Because uh, the anybody that's listening, you may not know about the rumble game, and let me just tell you, it adds. A thousand percent to the value of watching the Rumble. How we play the Rumble game here in the Phantom Zone is I have 30 ping pong balls. If they ever bring back the 40 man Rumble, I'm going to have to fucking go to Dollar Tree and buy more ping pong balls. And I don't want to do that because they don't come in 10 packs. They come in six packs and I'll have to buy two. But I've got 30 ping pong balls. They're all numbered. Everybody that's here draws ping pong balls until they're all gone. Uh, we've got a way to deal with people who don't get to draw as many. We figure out points, values, or whatever. But you have your three uh, ping pong balls, and if uh, Zack Ryder comes out, you are excited and you're going to cheer for him because you've got number six and he's number six. And it doesn't matter how much you like Zack Ryder because he's your number six, and you get a certain number of points for how many people he eliminates, which, if we're talking about Zack Ryder, will be zero. Uh, <laughs> that depends entirely on how many social outcasts are in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there, there, there are point assignments, and I, I've posted this every year on Needless Things, and if you go to needlessthingssite.com before the Rumble this year, uh, I will have it posted in the show notes for this show. But... If you're watching it with a bunch of people, it adds so much fun to the rumble. It gets it's interactive, and of course, I, I provide fabulous prizes. Yep. Which I won last year because yes. I had Roman Roman Reigns' number. Yes. At which point, as soon as we saw he, you, you were you had drawn him. We all knew it was over. <laughs> uh, but Sean, back to your point. Yeah. So the you know, in general. With the booking the way that it is, and I, and in a weird way, I have to kind of credit, uh, Dragon Con and DCW, and then a, another podcast I was listening to shortly after. I you think don't probably, listen to any other podcast but this one, buddy boy. Right, unless I'm on them. Well, yeah. uh, uh, but I wasn't on this one. But there was, I, w- I had, I had been a lapsed wrestling fan up until about 2014. And then I went to DCW and had a blast and was listening to some wrestling podcasts and trying to get caught up on what happened. And all I remember hearing was I was listening to a Royal Rumble recap and it was just the, the hosts of the show were just couldn't believe what had happened and, and, and everything else. And there was all this talk about this guy, Daniel Bryan. And, and so I was like, all right, well, cool. Well, let me check this out. And so that kind of got me back into wrestling was like the fallout of, you know, Daniel Bryan never wins the Royal Rumble and he should have been the person to win the Royal Rumble. Um, and then checking all this stuff out and then seeing what they're doing this year with Reigns where I feel like it's set up to be a foregone conclusion that they want us to love Reigns. They want everybody to love Reigns. So what you're, what we're either going to get is Reigns is just going to win, and they're going to continue to be like he's our guy, and and we don't care if the fans like him or not. Or we'll get something. I've I've read some speculation on a on a few websites where uh, there's a prediction that Triple H is going to be a surprise entrant. He's going to win, and he's going to take the belt off of Reigns, and then that's going to set up a. a situation where Reigns is chasing 
Triple H all the way to WrestleMania because, as we know, the face chasing the heel for the belt is always better. Well, let, let's go back and set this up a little bit first because uh, we we do need to illustrate that what's happened is the Royal Rumble this year is for Roman Reigns' WWE Championship. Right. Which is, uh, when when I first saw that, I was horrified because to me it completely takes away all the entertainment value of the rumble for because we know how they feel about Roman Reigns and even if he doesn't retain which personally I think he's not going to retain I don't know what's going to happen but I think they in their in their vacuous little bucky beaver heads they think Roman Reigns is our guy and we want this hot baby face challenging for the title at WrestleMania so everybody leaves with a feel-good Roman Reigns got his belt back moment. Right. Uh, but to me, we don't get to enjoy the Rumble as much because there's a big difference between going to WrestleMania and challenging for the title and winning the title. And the whole value of the Rumble is that, in theory, anyone could be challenging for that title uh, because especially with certain over the last 10, 15 years, the winner of the rumble doesn't always go to WrestleMania to challenge for the title. It doesn't always happen. Uh, so, so we, we get to have fun suspending our disbelief. Now they have made it much more difficult for us to suspend our disbelief. And I'm, I'm not real happy about it. The way they, the way that they can redeem this for me is, if whoever comes out at number two is one of Vince's guys and they just toss him immediately, and then you have, at that point in time, like a 45-minute match where you have no idea who's going to walk out of there the champion. Yes, I, I agree. I, I If Re- if Reigns goes right out, then we'll be able to have a fun match. But I think they're going to feel the need to put that Iron Man story on him well, because there's as, no doubt he'll be the la- he'll be one of the last guys in the ring, right? And and you know we had to watch the absolutely humiliating. There have not been I don't I don't have guilty pleasures. I talk about everything that I enjoy, uh, whether whether it's terrible horror movies or sappy TV shows or whatever. I put it all out there. Uh, and Monday night, watching Vince and Stephanie do that raffle. Oh God, I was ashamed like it was it was cringingly uncomfortable was there supposed to be a joke that he couldn't get the balls open i i i don't know i i don't know none of that well here's here's the thing if they wanted it if they wanted to make it look like they were loading it against reigns there were ways to do that that would have been entertaining they could have pulled the one out and had reigns come out and say i think that's bullshit and, you know, an altercation happens, he knocks over the bin, and it turns out they're all Roman Reigns. And then, you know, then at that point Vince can say, well, it doesn't matter because I'm Vince McMahon, damn it, or whatever. Well, you're yeah. applying logic and plot right. to a In- well, and that's, that doesn't And that's really- the whole thing with whenever you do these evil authority angles, if, if he can, if he pretty much has carte blanche to do whatever he does, as Vince McMahon does, then why even have him defend it why not just strip the title from him or just have everybody else that's in this thing, you know, just his own hired guys and not give why, why would Titus O'Neil be on this match unless Vince McMahon's paying him to go after him? Because Roman. Titus O'Neil is fucking awesome. 
Hey, they slowed the primetime players again, and now. Well, is uh, it Darren Young's hurt though? Isn't he? No, Darren Young is teaming with with Damian Sandow on the pre-show. Oh, what for for an yeah. opportunity to get into the Royal Rumble? Oh no! Oh my I didn't God. know that. I thought Young was hurt. That's ridiculous. The primetime players were great, and they were getting over. Yeah, yeah, uh, but but now we have that great, uh, budding arch nemesis thing with Stardust that's already over. Uh. Xavier Woods will be in and out. Uh, Big E might be in or out, but essentially what's going to have to happen is they're going to hurl Kofi Kingston over the top rope. And he's going to land on one of them. He's going to land on the New Day <laughs> and get himself back in. Oh, excellent call. <laughs> well, he did that last year with Adam Rose's entourage, didn't he? Oh, you're right. Uh, you're right. Yeah, he did. He got tossed into yeah. the entourage and then <clears> thrown again. Yeah, but they, you know, with, with it being New Day, I, I think they could they could rehash that and it would be okay. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine with that. Yeah, uh, I mean, otherwise, I'm I'm almost certain. Like uh, in my mind, I'm in, I'm in agreement with everybody else. Uh, anybody but Roman, um, and probably Bray Wyatt. I don't think he needs it either. But um, I would mostly imagine that uh, if they're going to keep Reigns all the way to the end, but have Triple H not be an entrant. But literally just show up, roll in, do something to hurt him, get him thrown out over the top rope, which will set up their individual feud at Mania, which won't have a belt attached to it, um, which would continue to set up, you know, look, let, let's just be honest. There's no way they're not going to try to get Roman Reigns over. And I think that he's actually done a lot in the last year and a half or so to improve. Well, uh, where, where he's at, I do not feel is his fault. I yeah, think booking right. has has made him look bad. Oh, it's totally. But I, I think like if they could continue to actually play up the, you know, aside from him actually having this championship, which just feels kind of, yeah, it's there. But you know, there's no like the, the fact that he won it, then didn't win it, then won it back, and yeah, it was just. This is a terrible run, no matter what they do with it. I'll so, say this. I'll say this right now, and and this is going to come off as ass kissy because the guy's a buddy of mine. But I honestly feel this: if WWE had Stephen Platinum working for them, everybody in the arenas would love Roman Reigns because nobody is better at bringing out the strengths of wrestlers than Stephen Platinum. Well, hell, Paul. If Paul Heyman was actually in creative. Yep. Yes, he could. He yes. could make oh, yeah. Reigns into a, into a huge star. Yes, but that guy. Well, and could well, Heyman would have Heyman would have turned him heel. Well, yeah, when, when he yeah, not now, but probably no, not now, not now. But yeah, he would have done it initially, and by now, people would have been begging for him to turn babyface. Well, and he had Reigns had great heat after flipping his shit and going off and beating the hell out of Triple H, which I still hate that segment. Yeah, I, I can't say that segment at all, and I don't understand why everyone was so in love with it. No, I well, I think uh, what I think, and I'm not, I was sort of indifferent because I really couldn't care less about Roman Reigns. But what I think is that it, uh, this has been my theory with uh, WWE for a while: is that the fifty-fifty booking is a problem. But even beyond that, there are no 
There are no dominating forces on either side. You don't have a monster heel that just runs over everybody and is legit scary. The Wyatts are super scary and should be legit scary, but, but they, they lose too often. The time. <laughs> Do what? They get yeah. beat all the time. Right, exactly. So, like, they're the perfect monster tag team, like, monster family that loses constantly. Well, you, but even that, like, I, you know, you have Brock Lesnar, who is obviously a special case, but they've even managed to find a way to cut his balls off in the last couple weeks. Right. Um, Eric Rowan took him out at the end of Raw. Yeah, that Eric, was bad. The Vintner, Eric Rowan took him out. Right. And so there's, there's no, there's no super dominant, uh, face that you're like, oh god, if this guy runs to the ring. Back in the 80s, you know, back in the, back in the golden day, uh, you knew if something was going down in the ring and then Warriors music hit, you're like, oh shit, there's, yes, here comes a warrior, he's gonna save the day, or Hogan's music hit. You know, you knew that like, okay, this guy's gonna come in, and yes, it could be obnoxious, and, and I guess there was that period where John Cena was that guy, but they don't have that guy anymore, they haven't bothered to build him up, like, Somebody could be getting seriously beat down, and then Roman Reigns' music hits, and I'm like, oh, God, this just got worse. Because they haven't built up anybody on either side, face or heel, to really be like somebody I really want to cheer for or somebody I really want to be afraid of. And so I think when people were cheering for Reigns when he went crazy is it was like, well, this is finally – this guy is showing some sort of personality and he's showing a personality that says he doesn't give a shit about anybody. He's just going to start wrecking shit. And I feel like in a weird way that could work reigns as a unspeaking, like a non speaking, just destroyer of stuff. Couldn't even work as a weird Steve Austin style. baby see, face. Here's the problem. If he didn't though. back it up with his mic skills, which includes smirking, <laughs> Right, looking looking away, well, and smirking, but right. that's not even Believe that. that. The problem is, I I don't even buy Roman Reigns' skills at destroying stuff. They haven't, you know. All we see is spear, goofy punch. Like right. he, he's not, he's not this incredible force of nature. He's not that big a guy. You forgot the hua. Oh, and the hua. You're right. You're right. I totally forgot the hua. That really should put it over for me. Uh, Mark, yeah, Mark, how do you, how do you, how did you feel about that berserker rage? Oh, against Triple H? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was happy that the crowd was happy, but I, I mean, like anything else, um, when I see something like that, my inclination is just to question how, how will this be booked tomorrow night? How how, how are they right. going to carry this out? And all it was, it was the most frustrating part of this. Is like, okay, look, he got he finally got the crowd behind him, going into this berserker rage thing. And and yes, if that's if that's part of the evolution of this character, that you know he's reached that limit, and now he's just going to beat the tar out of you with whatever he can grab, and he has that ability. Like, I mean, he. Uh, he and Bray Wyatt beat the ever-loving crap out of each other at the Hell in a Cell, and, uh, you know, he's proven that, you know, um, one of the best moments of Roman Reigns' career, in my opinion, is when he faced Brock Lesnar at Mania last year. Brock drew blood on him, and he laughed at it. Like, yes. I love pain. I come from a culture that is built on that. And I was like, that's that's exactly what I wanted to see out of this guy. And I was hoping that's where we were going back. And then the next night, he comes out and he's all 
goofy smirks and baby this and baby that and we're like, oh screw it. This is just where this is where we went with all that. Like this this is part of this, you know, I know everybody in the IWC is just we we can't get enough of saying how bad fifty fifty booking is and it's it's because of this. Like we all expect he'll get beat down for a week, he'll do really good the next week, he'll get beat down the next week. So Well and that's the John Cena thing too where you know for all for all these times, John Cena would go out and he'd get his ass kicked at a pay per view. He would lose. He would not win a title, and then he'd come out the next night and he just was goofy and like, oh, I guess it's like, well, you 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 seem to care about the title last night, and now you don't. And that's kind of what happened with with Reigns in that case. Well, and not yeah. only does that undermine John Cena's character and his seriousness about uh, success, it also undermines the title. Yeah, yeah. If this guy doesn't give a shit about the title why should i which is why everyone i mean like uh, i think everyone can agree that cena did more for the u.s championship uh in one year and alberto del rio destroyed that in a month well yeah i I don't don't think del rio destroyed it i think well you know what let's talk a little bit about del rio i'm glad you brought him up yeah because i don't know if you guys watch lucha underground at all but Del yes. Rio, Del Rio was phenomenal in Lucha Underground. Uh, he was, uh, it, it, the very best that you saw of Alberto Del Rio in his previous run in WWE. You know, you, you saw, he, he wasn't great, but I always really liked the guy and he had moments that he was fantastic. In Lucha Underground, once he found his way, because it took, I'm not going to lie, the first few episodes of Lucha Underground were pretty rough. Uh, I, I checked out, and I didn't come back until later on. And when I did, Del Rio was like the Hogan of Lucha Underground. I mean, he was amazing. Every- oh, he was, one. he was so... Stupid kinds of over with that crowd. They were so excited. They, they were so hungry for him. Like just everything about for him to talk, for him to yeah. wrestle, for anything. Everything he did, you're just hanging on the guy. And then uh, he comes into WWE, and I'm excited because I think that's the Del Rio we're getting, and that's not the Del Rio we got. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if he came for the paycheck and kind of didn't give a shit. I don't know. Well, I think it's just because they booked him so well, terribly. And and they did even, because... Even his debut. I mean, putting him with Zeb Coulter made no sense whatsoever. Terrible idea. Which, granted, I think it's a terrible idea because I can't stand Zeb Coulter. Right, which is so strange because every time you listen to uh, Jericho's podcast, Stone Cold's podcast, JR, they have nothing but the best things to say about that guy, Dutch Mantel. Well, and that's, I oh. think... I think, I think they love. I think they love Dutch him. Mantel. But like, I don't know. Like, ever since the whole Zeb Coulter character never was uh was interesting or entertaining to me. It was this weird uh, xenophobic guy traveling around. Like it, it lost its sense for me um, um, uh, quickly enough when they're like. Oh uh, yeah, this is my tag team, the Real Americans, uh, and this is one of them, Cesaro. <laughs> right. Well, and, but I, he did wonders with when it was just him and Swagger. Um, he did wonders with him, and I just thought that he did a really, really great job. 
in that role. He he didn't belong with Del Rio, but the problem with Del Rio was they brought him in. He was hugely over as a babyface. Well, yeah, he, well, and anybody and against John Cena is ago, it's over as a babyface. When they turned him babyface, nobody wanted to be a baby, him, right. him to be a babyface at that point in time, and he was terrible in the role. This time, he was actually the the crowd was ready for it. They were ready for him to be like that top babyface, and they immediately just turned him heel and stuck him with a bunch of jobbers. Well, and not only that. But he also had, you know, John Cena had been having phenomenal matches for, what, six months? And he had the first utterly unremarkable match with John Cena. John Cena was almost dead weight in that match. Yeah. Like, that was that was not a good match. Like, I wouldn't have been happy seeing that on SmackDown, let alone on a big pay-per-view as John Cena's exit. Though it makes me think maybe he was wrestling hurt. I, see, I don't know because I, I still don't know what Cena because he he was out initially. I thought he was out because of a family illness, but he was out filming a reality show. Yeah, he yeah he left to do that show, so I don't uh, think he was hurt. And I, I, yeah, I don't I don't I don't know the whole story there, and, and maybe uh, we we never will. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a good chance that he was somewhat hurt. Probably had some irritation. But we're talking about John Cena. Point. Well, yeah. Right, but I mean, hey, if sure. I if I were to if I were to steer the ship back to the rumble, especially with the the league, one of the things they tried to set up on the uh, the last segment of Raw this week, where now we have two heel stables, uh, the League of Nations and uh, the Wyatts, uh, both coming out and attacking Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, uh, both sort of filling that like we'll do whatever it takes to stop either of you from winning. But again, like, does anybody buy that any one of those eight guys could walk away with the title? Right. And, well, and no. more importantly, like, does anybody care? Like, I, I think it would be awesome if the Wyatt family, you know, beat it and, and walked away with the title. That would be great. Well, Just because I, I like the Wyatt, but. I mean, all those guys, especially the, the guys in the, um, in the League of Nations, I think they're all extremely talented and they probably all deserve to be, uh, somewhere in that top echelon. Um, but the way they're booked, none of them deserve to be there. Yeah. They look like, yeah. they look like absolute jokes and everything. And, and this is the thing that kills me is that everything storyline wise is designed to place the crown upon the head of the anointed Roman Reigns, but keep in but mind, by the way, that we're we're we haven't mentioned the third guy who's destined to win it, Jericho. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's actually a fair point, and uh, well, I was make I a, was being funny. I'm no, sorry. no, no, no. Uh, I, I but the thing is, yet yeah, well, wait, 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 Sean, Sean, Sean. Um, let's take a five minute break. And right. come right back, and we will discuss uh, Jericho as the potential champ. Mm, Everybody good with that? Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. So, Phantom. It's part of the Royal Rumble game. That's exactly right. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, you mentioned it jokingly, uh, Chris Jericho, but I actually think there's a decent possibility of Chris Jericho coming out with that title. But the the problem is we don't know how long he's going to be around. And and the uh, he's around till Mania, I think they said. Well, and that and and that's I try not to go on too much. They said or too much. I read on a website because 
you know, that, that, you just can't factor that stuff in because there's no telling if they're being fed information or if they're speculating or whatever. Um, but any other circumstance, I would assume that Jericho's just hanging around for a few weeks. But we have injured Seth Rollins, injured John Cena, injured Cesaro. Who else is hurt? Everybody's fucking hurt. They've got like five major people. Randy Orton. Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks. Paige. Paige. Uh, which granted don't factor into the title scene so much. No. But. Just, Daniel Bryan. It's an indicative thing. I, well, Daniel Bryan uh, is, I, I think we have to consider him a non-factor at this point. Yeah. Uh, at least I hope we can consider him a non-factor at this point. I don't ever want to see him wrestle again because if there's this much, uh, if there's this much question about whether he can compete, he should not compete. See, I, I read it as a different, different situation. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, uh, and I guess this shows the uh, the Chicago roots. But uh, uh, being a complete mark for CM Punk and listening to his rant against the company, uh, you know, way back when. What it seems to me, what it seems to me to me more is that, like, I have no doubt that Daniel Bryan got hurt and he's had multiple issues, both with the neck, concussions, and whatnot. But I have to believe somewhere down the line that if he has seen two specialists himself and they've said, you're fine or you are in good shape, your brain is in good shape, you could return to wrestling, maybe don't dive face first anymore uh, and it's just the WWE doctors who are saying no there's a part of me as much as I don't want to believe it still thinks somewhere that Vince and Triple H and other powers that be quote unquote don't see the potential or don't don't see him as as being anything more than you know the the good the good underdog story they got out of him you know once or twice and that's it well, I think it, that might be part of it, but I think it, if that's the case, it's more at this time they don't want the lawsuit. They don't want because a PR. After, Wait, the, yeah. after the CM Punk thing, yeah. they're not sure if they want to put somebody in there who might be fragile. Well, and here's and the Daniel thing. Daniel Bryan has said, like, I will wrestle again. It might not be for WWE, but I will wrestle again. Well, and He's here's the thing. Determined. If they let Bryan wrestle... Do any of you guys honestly believe he's going to do anything other than go 100%? He's not going to not do diving headbutts. He's right. Daniel Bryan. He's going to wrestle how Daniel Bryan wrestles. And if that's not safe, then he shouldn't be doing it. And granted, I'd say the same thing, but I mean, uh, granted, Stone Cold did change up his style due to a medical concern. And while his matches after the fact weren't astounding, there's still a part of me that believes that Bryan, there would be a way for him to augment his style, still be the same Daniel Bryan, but you know maybe pull out one or two moves from his repertoire and replace them with something else. But again, you know I guess it's a, it's a non-point here because let's be honest, he's not coming back for the Rumble, and if he did, people would lose their shit and they'd want him to win. Yeah, right. Well, and he's such a good ambassador for the product. I don't understand why they don't have him out just doing more things. Right. Um, you know, just coming out doing an interview segment every once in a while, uh, just appearing on a show every once in a, every couple months, just to you know, just to get his name back out there because people love him. They will buy his merchandise even if he's not wrestling. I watched Tough Enough because he was on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and one additional thing, just with regards to his whole situation, um, 
It wouldn't surprise me to see him come back next year. And as silly as this is, it seems like such a Vince McMahon thing to do. So that movie Concussion came out this year. The one that Will Smith was in that's a biopic about, you know, the NFL concussions. Yep. The doctor that was essentially the villain in that story is WWE's medical director. Is it really? (laughs) Yes. Oh, wow. And so... Is that what I, Andrews? Is that right? Uh, uh, shit, I just had his name pulled up. Um, I'll have to pull it back up again. But, uh, yeah, so it's, it's the same guy from that. And I weirdly, uh, director, uh, blah, 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 Joseph something. Okay. Um, uh, waiting for the page to pull up. Joseph Maroon. Um, what a maroon. Right. <laughs> uh, so weirdly, I could see Vince in a very, because he's carny trash, Vince way, thinking if this movie got a lot of attention, which it, it might have, I don't know, I didn't pay attention because it came out the same I time as- It was a fart in the wind, and right. if Vince is going to respond to that movie in any way, it's going to be three years from now. Yeah. Right. Right. When he introduced, when he introduced the pirate Paul Burchill, like, right. way after Pirates of the Caribbean was there. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm just, like, if he was worried about his medical director being on the hot seat for making bad decisions about concussions, clearing, that's the hurdle. Like, apparently it's this dude is the hurdle to getting Daniel Bryan back in the ring. So, I, I could see there being some sort of weird PR nightmare or Vince believing that there would be a PR nightmare. If they give Daniel Bryan the all clear, he comes through, God forbid something else happen again. And then the whole world is like, oh, wait a minute. And this is the guy that doesn't know shit about concussions. And this guy's been concussed this many times. So I can see it from a PR slash legal perspective right now. They're not going to touch it because it's the third rail. But um you know, in a year or two, when some of this NFL concussion story dies down again, Vince will say, "Hey, did you see this new movie, Concussion?" Right, right. We did you know this was coming out? Um, but to it's get on back, my Netflix. To get back to Jericho, uh, I, I do believe with the way that they've been handling him, uh, his odd vest. Jacket combination. His dad jokes and uh, all that. He's so bad. I, I he's got to be going heel. That's all I can figure. Is I, I, that all this is some elaborate thing that he's come up with as a way to? Well, and it's so know. odd because he's feuding with New Day, who are ostensibly heels, but he's also like doing heelish stuff. I, it's I, it's. Jericho is off-putting enough as it is now. Like, if you have any familiarity with his glory days, watching Jericho now is sad. It's like watching the dog that lost its leg and is now blind trying to come up the hill. Has anybody star-fallen so far? Uh, He's beyond even being a parody of himself. Well, and not only is there, you know, the detriment of, of what he's done to himself... But his last several appearances, we just know he doesn't stick around for very long. So how invested yeah. can you really get in him showing up? But this time, more than any other, they need Jericho. And Jericho is one of Vince's made guys. 
and he doesn't have a new album coming out and he doesn't have a new reality show. So he's kind of at their disposal for a while. So I think there's a possibility that him getting the title could be a good decision because not so much because his character is so valuable now, but because he's a guy that knows how to be a champion and they don't have a lot of that hanging around at the moment. Well, I can see that as being true. I guess my one consternation to that is that, so all of this beyond is, Jericho. Yeah. I mean, th- this is all, yeah, b- beside the obvious. <laughs> um, but I mean, first of all, if we haven't already, we should thank DDP yoga for <laughs> keeping him alive. <laughs> Also, ice packs that pay pay him, and uh, MeUndies.com and NatureBox and Fozzie and all of them. Uh, outside of that, all of this is subservient to WrestleMania 32, which they're trying to fit 100,000-plus people into uh, Texas Stadium or whatever the hell they call it. And I can't buy that Jericho is your world heavyweight champion that's going to draw the most people uh, into the door, which is, I, I guess you say, like, gun to my head, if I'm forced to choose a winner that would uh, suffice there, it's going to be Brock Lesnar. But yeah. here's the thing. Brock Lesnar does not need the title to be a draw. Of course not, but Their who else draw put the belt on? The draw for the main event, uh, and, and everybody's so certain that Triple H versus Reigns is going to happen. Uh, but I think in their minds, Reigns chasing the title is a story. And I think there's a possibility, and I'm not sold on this. I'm not saying this is my, if I had to put money down on booking the thing, but I could see where them seeing Jericho, because if Jericho turned on the heel at this point, like if they said, you're main eventing WrestleMania. We're giving you a shit ton of money. We need some good heel Jericho. I think he could do it. I think Jericho could make... Ha, I, I think he could make Roman Reigns' title chase work. I think he's a guy that could be a big enough heel. He could be dastardly enough. He could be hateful enough. He could get the crowd to hate him enough to be the guy that has the belt that you want to see Reigns just beat the fuck out of him and get that title. Is there... Uh, do we have any idea... Uh, as to when Seth Rollins will be healed up, like August. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be a while. Yeah, it's still a ways off. Yeah, he doesn't know. quite have. No, he's yeah, he's not healing power. You mean steroids? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I think to go to t- tomato tomato. <laughs> you know, crossfitting your way into. Yeah. Therapy, I <laughs> uh, but I, not I, according I, to my Facebook feed, where CrossFit fixes everything. I think Jericho is a possibility. I don't think he's a lock, but I could see where that wouldn't be a bad idea because Lesnar, I don't think Lesnar should be anywhere near the title because, like I said, he's a draw. People don't give a shit what Lesnar's fighting for. They want to see Lesnar fight. So you can well, here, have Brock here's Lesnar. The thing with Lesnar, though, like, I don't want Lesnar to be the champion for the sake of Lesnar. I want him to be the champion for the sake of the championship. Because Lesnar does more for the title than the title does for Lesnar. Right. Yeah. As we saw. And I agree with that, but they're spread so thin right now that they cannot put two commodities together like that. Well, and how crazy is it, though, that they are spread? They probably have 
I mean, we talked about it earlier. They people doing double duty on these shows because they did not have the depth. They probably have the single biggest depth of roster that they have ever had. But they don't have any well, draws. Well, and, exactly. But there's which nobody that's over on that roster right now. No, but that's right. their fault. That's right? Not, exactly. It's like, not for the, it's not lack it's not for lack of talent. It's right. for lack of cohesive plots. That's exactly yeah. right. right. You, you could fact, you could have Kevin Owens as the top heel right now easily had you just handled him right. Yeah, right. He could have been the top babyface on the company if they had played it right after he beat Cena. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the fact that they're going back to the well with the evil Mister McMahon character that felt like a Hail Mary from the get-go and just happened to work out as far as a ratings pop goes. But even that's going to be short-lived. Um, and that bringing back Chris Jericho, like that there's even discussions about The Rock coming in and wrestling a match at WrestleMania 32. Which I have no problem with that. I mean, I, I, I don't have a problem with it, but when you have this much talent on a single roster and you're looking at... What did we do in 2000? Like, what did we do 15 years ago when we had no talent? It's like, well, the difference between now and 15 years ago is 15 years ago, you were hungry and you came up with original stories. Now you have more talent than you know what to do with, but you're just... Well, the talent themselves admittedly don't fight in the same manner. I mean, if you listen to Jericho, all jokes aside, one thing that he's said time and again, and he's actually completely correct on, is that in order to get over in the company, to have storylines and everything else, you have to be a bit of an asshole. And I don't, I think that the current crop of guys all understand that right now, there is no other place to go for the amount of money that they're earning in whatever spot they have right, right on that roster. So when you're told that you will now be a stunt double to the Miz, you take it and you do a whole lot about it. And then when uh, you should have a huge face push and be in the mid card and nothing happens, well, you just put on pink trunks again and you're like, okay, here I am. Right. And I'll yeah. keep doing it until you let you know until you figure it out. Hey, let, let's not uh, go without saying Curtis Axel has yet to be eliminated <laughs> from last year's. There's there's our wild card. It and it'll be it, Curtis Axel and AJ Styles, and AJ Styles will finally eliminate Curtis Axel. Well, actually, let me, that would be a great storyline. Let me <laughs> right. Let me, that was ten seconds off the top of my head, and let I'm me throw wondering this, how long it would take for us to get to that. Let me throw this out there, at you guys. Um, in one of the older Rumbles, I think it was '97 Rumble. Uh, they were in San Antonio, and they had Mil Mascaras and Piroth and Cybernetico in the Rumble. And this year, WrestleMania is in Texas. Do you think it's possible or would be smart or whatever for maybe for WWE to supplement the undercard a bit with one of the Mexican promotions? Maybe have a couple of, I don't know who they're on friendly terms with right now. I'm sure. I don't know if they have any working relationship with, the, with one of the Mexican companies now, do they? Do they not? I don't think so, no. Yeah, oh. I, I don't, I don't think they're on good terms with AAA after the Alberto thing. Uh, yeah, cause they, he, right, he just right. had to go back and drop the title. Now, if we're talking farm system, I mean, they've got the best one in the business. Yeah. In NXT. And I think everybody but would NXT, love to see. 
has its a couple own, of them. NXT has its own show that weekend that's probably going to be better than most of WrestleMania. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, they, they have their own pay-per-view, so you can't really fill out the undercard with those guys. Well, this Unless time, I they... think that you have to you have to address Samoa Joe. You have to address Finn Balor and maybe get those guys onto your main roster, if not just for the Rumble. Well, what do you guys, what do you guys think about this whole Bullet Club thing? Uh, you know, I understand the IWC is super hot about it, but let's be realistic and talk about your average wrestling fan who may not even know who the fuck AJ Styles is, let alone the rest of the, the three guys. I, I mean, I think everyone knows who AJ Styles is. Yeah, I think if you're a wrestling fan, even if you've not seen him wrestle a lot, do you think you remember him as that guy from TNA? Do you think the casual modern WWE fan, like the people sitting in the arenas at Raw and SmackDown, think? Do you think they know who AJ Styles is? Who has not been on television in two years? Unless you're a child, unless you're a child, you're not a new wrestling fan. That's the thing is WWE is not creating new fans. Right. I think everyone who's out in that audience that's an adult that's actually buying tickets um, was around for 10 years ago when AJ Styles was in TNA, and TNA actually was kind of a threat to WWE. So I think they're aware of him the same way that the NXT crowd was hugely aware of Samoa Joe. You know, I think what's going to happen is with a guy like AJ Styles or any of the members of the Bullet Club, including Festus, that mm-hmm. you're going to get everybody in the IWC is holding their breath to see how this is going to get fucked up or not. Because what we all want is a S.H.I.E.L.D.-esque, unstoppable force of great wrestlers being great wrestlers. But, you know, we've all heard the old adage that unless you are a Vince creation, he doesn't care. So no, no matter how much he paid or how much Triple H convinced him to pay, for these guys, I don't think any of them are getting over until Vince has had his say with their gimmicks and what they're doing and how they're doing it. So we might see AJ Styles come in, uh, and I'm sure he'll get a pop, and based on his repertoire alone, he's going to get over, but there's no way anything's going to gonna come out of this in the Royal Rumble, at least. Well, I don't think let's, they're let's... paying him what they're paying him to be you know, just just to just to be another guy on the roster. No, I'm, let's I'm let's sure consider. Matter, we're not going to get the fantastical Alfred fashion. Well, what? Well, let's consider what happened a year ago with a guy that they could have made a lot of money with, and I'm talking about Sting, who everybody for sure knows. Oh, yeah. Who was the last holdout of WCW? Who is instant Hall of Fame material? Who is, he's fucking Sting. What happened to Sting? He, he got smashed at WrestleMania. Yeah, but- he could have gone over and made the company so much fucking money on merchandise alone. He could have gone into WrestleMania and never done anything else again and sold t-shirts for the next five years. But instead, Triple H squashed him in the match that made less sense than any match in the history of time. There was a match that was not about WCW versus WWE, but became about WCW versus WWE. So So, what you guys are saying, by the 18th run-in, that match was was Hall of Fame material. (laughs) Seeing what they did, seeing what they did to Sting, 
how can anybody think they're going to treat AJ Styles well, any yeah, better? That's the problem with Vince McMahon and his attention span, which has just gotten shorter and shorter the older he's gotten. Um, I am. Just, that I, we're, we're all sitting here waiting for the time that Vince McMahon retires, and yes. we have Triple H to look forward to as lead Booker. But somehow he's doing okay in, in NXT. Well, and that's like I'm actually wary of like. I would love to see a Finn Balor AJ Styles match. I think that'd be fantastic. I'm wary. I'm a huge AJ Styles mark. I am, I am dying to see him come in. I'm, I'm hoping he gets to do something awesome. I kind of prefer him coming into NXT, but he's too much of a draw, I think, for the money they're paying him for them to just keep him down there and what Vince still sees as the development brand. In spite of the fact that I think arguably right now you can make the case it's the superior brand because it's the one that actually has wrestling. It's way more wrestling than it is entertainment. Well, it's not only wrestling, but they also – they Triple H has proved, especially with NXT, that you can take a very simple premise – any of the angles that they've used are like pro wrestling 101 angles. Yeah. And just by following through with them, you actually get great stories. Everybody in their mother loved, you know, the Sasha Bailey, uh, Brooklyn match and yeah. all that was built up in there. But the storyline wasn't exactly complex. No. You know, actually, no. Uh, a- I remember I watched uh, Becky Lynch, uh, verse, uh, I think it must have been um, Sasha Banks, where she was the protege, Becky Lynch was the protege, and that, uh, you know, that was the whole storyline. She was a protege, and that, uh, you know, she was mistreated until she finally couldn't handle it anymore, so she was breaking out on her own. And even within that match, it was fantastic, because there was just that little bit of backstory. Right, yeah. And now you don't, you can't even get that much. You know, now it's just... Uh, they don't even have run-ins anymore. Like, you run into some guy in the backstage and you don't like him, so you're going to go out and wrestle. It's just, oh, Stardust is going to go wrestle Titus O'Neil. All right, so to bring this thing home, to bring it back to the Rumble, mm-hmm. I want to go around. I want everybody's predictions for the winner of the Rumble and for whether or not that person will actually end up main eventing WrestleMania. Uh, since I threw this out there, I will start, uh, my, you know, my heart wants anything else, but I think Roman comes in at number one. I think he lasts all the way through, has the most eliminations, whatever they feel needs to be the thing to, to get him over. And then at the end, as Mark was saying, Triple H, whether Triple H is in the Rumble or not, I think probably not. Uh, but Triple H costs Roman the match and some patsy ends up with the title. I don't know if it's Sheamus, uh, oh God, no, please. Or, or Jericho. Right. But somebody ends up with that title and we have, you know, Triple H. I, I don't know that we're going to see him wrestle. I, I really don't. I, I wouldn't mind seeing him come back and wrestle, uh, at WrestleMania. But I don't know that it's going to happen. I really feel like they're going to set up the story of Roman chasing somebody that they feel is a despicable heel. Uh, and while Jericho is the guy that I kind of set up for that, you know, there's no telling what Vince and Bucky are thinking. So, uh, 
Yeah, and when I say Bucky, I'm talking about Kevin Dunn. I was just to say, who's Bucky in this Kev, scenario? Kev, Kevin Dunn. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 Sheamus, you know, they've got the, the, the League of Nations is there for a reason. So I, I don't know. Well, I, I'm going to, I'll, I'll stick with my Jericho theory. I think they're going to put it on Jericho. He's going to go full heel. And they think that Jericho with the title and Reigns chasing him is going to be the story. Uh, that, I'll throw that out there. I'll put my money on that. Uh, Sean. Um, I think you're probably right. Uh, it's going to be, I think, Jericho or Triple H. Uh, one of those two ends up with the belt and, and, uh, Reigns is chasing. Uh, if I was fantasy booking it, I would much rather have Shinsuke Nakamura be a surprise entrant into the Royal Rumble and (laughs) win the title. And then the King of Hard Style is the new WWE champion, and that's who Roman Reigns has that, to face. That's the silliest thing that's ever been said on this podcast. <laughs> he said fantasy booking. <laughs> <laughs> I, if you've ever seen a Nakamura match, he's fucking amazing. He's phenomenal, but... He's, I mean, yeah, there's no way in hell that he's going to, like... Vince is going to be like, whoa, what's this Michael Jackson thing? Are you, are, are you saying there's no chance? No yeah, chance, chance in, hell? in hell? Jesus Christ, I just walked right in <laughs> You're fired! It's fucking late. Okay, let me, I didn't do a fantasy book because I didn't know that was gonna be a thing. <laughs> you, you'd think I would be aware of this stuff. Um, <laughs> you should talk to the host. I really should. Does anybody know that guy? Uh, fantasy booking wise, I would say that Daniel Bryan gets a clean bill of health. Beyond any shadow of uncertainty, comes in and wins it. Robocop suit. Triple H. <laughs> but then Rick Steiner would have to, or no, Sting would have to be involved. Sting would have to be involved. Rick Steiner would be feuding with Chucky. Uh, no. Uh, Just the voice of Chucky. Triple, Triple H would still cause the interference with Roman. Roman would go on to face Triple H at WrestleMania because I think that's something that people want, something that I'd like to see. Uh, just because they've pounded it into my face enough that I'm like, okay, I'll watch that. Uh, but Brian comes in, wins the title, and we get Brian and Lesnar at WrestleMania. That's my fantasy booking. Uh, Mark, what is your, what is your actual prediction and what is your fantasy booking? Uh, my actual prediction, I'm going to stick with what I'd said earlier. I think that uh, Triple H is going to eliminate Roman Reigns, and they'll go on to face each other at WrestleMania, and that uh, Brock Lesnar is going to uh, just Brock Lesnar his way through the rest of the people, and he'll take the belt. I accept that as a verb, sir. I, the, both words. Yes, as he, a will, he will uh, unleash his raptor scream as he does from time to time. <laughs> he will bleed in a matter of 10 seconds of getting into the Rumble. Yes. And then he will win. Uh, my fantasy booking is Curtis Axel comes in at, at 30 um, and pushes everybody else over, takes the belt, and immediately retires and takes it home. <laughs> With a perfect plex at least once. <laughs> a perfect plex to try and win the Rumble. A perfect plex on the championship belt. Uh, all right. Noel, what about you? Well, uh, unfortunately, my real prediction is actually very similar to Mark's. I think that Brock Lesnar 
uh, is going to come back and he's going to win and going to WrestleMania as the champion. I think that there's going to be something with Triple H um, and uh, and Roman Reigns where that causes Reigns to get eliminated probably late in the Rumble. Although I would like for it to happen very early, so then yes. you have the, the the element of surprise for the entire thing. I have heard I have heard people suggesting um, that Triple H comes in at number thirty one. Uh, because, you know, they've never done that before. It might be interesting. You think all the guys are out, but all of a sudden, oh, there's a 31, 31st entrance this year because Vince McMahon is booking the whole thing. Right, right. So that's, that's something that it might be interesting as he comes out and eliminates the last guy, whoever that might be, probably Roman Reigns at that point in time. Fantasy booking, um, I don't want Daniel Bryan to come back and win the Rumble when there's not a title shot on the line. I don't want him to walk out the Rumble with a title. Um, what I do want to see is I want to see uh, that we've all been elaborately worked for the last nine years and that that whole Chris Benoit murder-suicide never happened. Oh, gosh. And he comes out I and he's like, what the fuck? And he's like, fooled you. And then he wins the rumble. It so. was, and he pulls his hood back and says, it was always me. <laughs> I'm going to kill it. it. I mean, I wait, fantasy so I can go with anything, right? Yes, yes. Fantasy uh, booking is fantasy booking. Right. You went straight Tolkien level fantasy. <laughs> I well, in that case, I say Mantar comes back, <laughs> and we can hear Vince talk about his thighs some more. Uh, Mantar versus Zodiac. Look at look at look at the thighs on Mantar. Also, All right. my fantasy booking, you get Jr. back just to call the Rumble. Match. Oh my gosh, I wish. Although he's apparently working for NJPW now, so well, he's taking Ronaldo's place. Which is there. really because weird. nothing sounds more authentic than good old Jr. <laughs> calling Japanese names. <laughs> it's a slobber dog. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, I think we have peaked out. I think we've covered all the possibilities. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's now the time where we go around and plug away. Uh, we will start with Sean. Where can we find you online? Figure out what you're up to. And I hear that you might be actually working for a wrestling company now. Well, shit. Yes, I am, actually. Uh, you can find me. Is it the second and fourth? Or first, the first and third. First and third. Come on, man. You think I'd, I've only done one show so far. Uh, yeah, first and third Saturday in Porterdale, Georgia. Uh I have been graciously handed the announcing microphone from one Mr. Phantom Troublemaker. Um, so I've, uh, I've only worked at one event. I'm still very green. I'm still learning, but I appreciate it. And it's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. So yes, first and third Saturdays, Fordale, Georgia. I'm the guy in the suit. Um, and online you can find me at Torch Code Lab on Twitter and Instagram. And that's probably about it for right now. And he is also the man responsible for <coughs> DirtyConGameShow.com. Oh shit, yeah, which, just will, which will have many updates soon, I'm sure. We, we've got stories that we need to add to it. Yeah, we sure do, don't we? Shut up, I don't have them, you do. Noel, where can we find you online? <laughs> you can find me at uh, DorkDroppings.com out there on the interwebs. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter and read uh, uh, one tweet every three months or so, uh, it's at Dork Droppings. Um, yeah, that's 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 where I am. Maybe I'll start updating my my website more often. You should. Uh, that sometimes happens in January uh, every few years. But uh, <laughs> and finally, we'll 
Finally, Mark, tell us about your comic and where can we find you online? Uh, well, you can uh, always find me. I'm always streaming live on Periscope as Sexy Kitten 69. You're <laughs> always welcome to come check that out. Uh, no, seriously though, uh, if you want to check it out, my comic book company is called Unshaven Comics. We are at unshavencomicsonline.com, or you can just go to facebook.com/unshavencomics, and you can check out our book called The Samurnauts. It has nothing to do with wrestling. However, the next series of Samurnauts, which will be debuting probably next year, we are doing an entire team of Power Ranger-esque heroes, but they're luchadors. I'm in. Yes. Shit. That's like a custom comic just for me. All, all I have to say about that is finally. <laughs> all right. Coming off of a dare from the fans. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for coming on and talking about wrestling, talking about the Royal Rumble. It's been a great time, and uh, we will catch you all down the road. What a rush. What a rush. Tell them, Hawk. And we're done. <laughs> awesome. We, we, we didn't talk about Royal Rumbles quite as much as I thought we would. No. But, uh, <laughs> You know, with with the state of WWE the way it is, there was just no way to not spend a lot of time on that. Well, I think once you get once you get like more than three smart marks in a in a room, like you, you can't. It just sort of ends it, up right, that way, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. You Here's can't. The, we promoted this year's WWE Royal Rumble about as well as WWE has promoted this year's. <laughs> yeah, we did it better. Dude, I miss, and I, this is something I wanted to talk about, and, and we just didn't, and it's fine, but I miss so much the way that they used to do, like, the drawings to find yeah. out when people would enter. Like, they Where made the guy would just deal. look sad, or his, and his partner would look happy. Or when, uh. Our truth was... would demand that he win the championship. <laughs> or when, there was one year, I want to say it was Road Dog, like, swap numbers with somebody. Like somebody had a lower number than or a higher number than he had, and he switched. Oh, numbers. yeah, didn't he trade up with like Funaki or yeah, 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 somebody who didn't speak English? Yes, yes, exactly. Like they used to have so much fun with it, and now it's just like, well, it's the Rumble, so you know, whatever. Do we know? Have they even? They have officially announced everybody that's in the Rumble, right? No, they haven't. No, no. they haven't. Okay. No, there's only like 18 names that are. So they got that are official. Okay. Well, and another, you know, another thing that I miss in watching the older rumbles is they used to do segments where every entrant would get a little bit of promo time, like a few Mm. seconds to say, I'm, I'm crush and I'm going to dominate the rumble. And you're like, shut the fuck up, crush. You're not dominating shit, but it was recently is what was it? 2002 was the year that they brought back the Godfather and Mr. Perfect and a couple other guys, and, like, all the surprise entrants got, like, big promo packages ahead of time. Yes. Also, I forgot to give my dare. Um, take a shot for every person it takes to throw Big Show over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that was that was a, that, that was a uh, thing about the Rumble game, too, is we had to figure out one year. Because it, it hadn't occurred to me, you know, until you're watching the Rumble, you don't think about all the different things that can happen. And, uh... It was like, wait a minute, four guys just eliminated one guy. How do we work out the points for that? <laughs> and we're like, uh, I think, well, what did we settle on? Was it a quarter point or would you just say, fuck it, everybody gets a point? Yeah. I think we just said everybody gets a point. Who cares? Because well, you got the big, because. Did you an angle like three weeks ago where the big show said he was going to go in as number one? 
What? No. No, no, he never – oh, God, it's such poor writing on their part too. He never actually said he was going in as number one. He was declaring himself – he was the first person to declare that he was entering the Rumble. But his promo was written so poorly that it came off as I'm going to oh. be the first competitor in the Rumble. Oh. He also turned heel and then babyface and then heel again. <laughs> I don't know what he is. All in the space of five minutes. Yeah, I do, I do appreciate if you actually listen to him. I think he was on Jericho's show maybe about three or four months ago. And even he joked about that. He's like, I'll be honest with you, Chris. I start out every night by going to the sheet and checking what I am today. <laughs> well, he's uh, we saw him at Wizard World last year in Atlanta. Uh, he did a panel. And I mean, we all know when left to his own devices, he's very funny. Yeah, uh, but yeah. he he is a smart, funny guy who understands what's been done to him, <laughs> and is very practical about his place in the company. Uh, you know, he knows how he should have been booked, but he also knows that he's a big famous sports entertainer, and he gets a big paycheck, and he gets to have fun. So he, I, I think he's kind of made peace with with everything at this point. Well, there was the time where he left for a while, and he people called him the Big Show at some other show, and he said, "That's my slave name." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they at least him, and they brought him back for the, I guess it was the Floyd Mayweather thing. At least he never went to TNA. Yeah. Well, they had Abyss yet, yet. Yeah. Oh gosh, stop that. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it could show up on Pop TV any night now. I'm I'm actually watching it. TNA right now, and. I don't know why. Oh. I, I, I'm giving it a chance again this year. <laughs> you keep taking them back, Noel. <laughs> you just keep taking them back. All right, guys. I think we've. Uh, I might. I might end up using that last five minutes <laughs> and just, yeah. just go a little long because yeah, just, we got just a shove it in there in. somewhere. It's yeah. that's what she said. Uh, oh, hey <laughs> All right, we're going to end on that note. Thank you so much for coming on, guys. Thank you. All right, man. Have a good one. Thank you. We'll, we'll be watching the Rumble in just a few days. Yep, yeah, yep. We'll, see, we'll see you on Sunday. Later, guys. Yep. All right, Later. have fun. Later. The following message has been endorsed by the Needless Things Podcast and NeedlessThingsSite.com. Hi there. It's Le Sexoflex. And we're here to promote needless things. Because what you don't need is another person to get off. Oh, but you might need some comic books or something. Needless things. A podcast you should listen to and or a blog and or a book. Thank you.